Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Morning. Um, pray with me one more time before I get started. Father in heaven, God, would you be with me as I, as I preach? Um, would you speak this morning to us? And I ask that um, this sermon would bring clarity to every person, uh, what you're saying, what you're asking of them, that our lives would be conformed into the image of Christ, that we would experience the friendship that is available to us because of Jesus, because of what he has done for us on the cross. Um, I pray that you'd make our hearts open to hear and that you'd be in my mouth and make me say the words that you want to say. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So six years ago, my family moved to Burlington, Vermont, and we didn't know exactly how we were going to do it, but we knew that God had called us to, to move here to start a new church. And in those early days, we uh, wanted to kind of get our feet under us and, and, and get involved with a fellowship somewhere before we planted, and so we started meeting in, uh, in Kevin and Kristen Pound's backyard. They had a small church, about 10 to 12 people that were meeting in their backyard, and uh, we were worshiping with them. And um, it wasn't long before, uh, as God providentially had it, that they asked me to start preaching every week. And so I started preaching to this little group of believers, and um, a few months went by, and we, Tiffany and I, started feeling like the Lord was was stirring in us to get started on, on planting a church. And so I went and, and talked to Kevin, and I said, hey, it's time for us. We, we really feel a strong calling from the Lord to get out there and get started planting this church. And uh, when I had that conversation with him, he said, I was going to reach out to you today, actually, and ask if you would pray about becoming our pastor here. And, um, and so I gave that some, some prayer so a few weeks, and um, and the Lord made it really clear what he was doing, that this was to become the, the core team for a new church plant. And so I, I threw that idea out there, and, and unanimously everyone that was a part of that small church, Burlington City Church, said, yeah, that's what we want to do. That's what we need to do. And so uh, that began uh, our core team meetings. And we were meeting in a small classroom upstairs, small classroom in uh, the Old North End in, in a Catholic school called St. Joe's. And uh, we didn't have much room there, and it was hard to find, hard to get to, didn't smell great, and it was freezing cold in the winter. Uh, but we made it work, and that's what we had. And, and so we met week after week, and we dreamed together about what it was that God might want to accomplish through us and what He wanted to do in Vermont and beyond. And um, that little group grew from 12 to eventually 25, and then uh, from 25 to 50, 
And after we'd been there for a little while and we were kind of filling up that space, the landlord came to us and said, hey, you're going to have to go. We, we, we need this room now. And so uh, we were trying to figure out where are we going to meet? Uh, where's, this, where's this church going to meet? And so we started praying, we started researching, we started looking at places, and, um, and we realized that we can't afford anything. There's nowhere uh, in, in this entire county that, that we can afford and that will hold us. And so we said, well, this is, this is forcing us to pray really big prayers. And, and we said, what, well, if we're going to pray really big prayers and, and we have to, then why don't we just ask God to do the very thing that we would want him to do? And, and so we started to pray that God would, would just give us a property. And it was a crazy big prayer, um, but we prayed that. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, we were approached about this property. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped a, a whole phase. Uh, before that, sorry, I jumped ahead in my mind. Uh, there was a whole other phase where we found a spot to meet and set up and tear down at Mater Christi. And so we went to uh, this this, I don't know if you're familiar with Mater Christi. It's in Burlington. It was a Catholic uh, school, and we set up and tore down every week in their gymnasium. And um, some of you who were part of that and like put in your blood, sweat, and tears are like, don't skip that part of the story. Um, that, was, that was actually a very special time. And so week in and week out, we'd show up early. We would blast praise music, and there was a group of about 15 to 20 of us that showed up every single week to to put the place together so that we could have our worship there. Um, that didn't last very long. Uh, we were there for about six months, and the Lord was growing us. People were being saved. People were being baptized. And the bishop uh, over Vermont found out that a, that a church was meeting in that school that wasn't a Catholic church, and he said, you're going to have to go. And so, um, so that's when we started to pray, okay, Lord, we, we really need something, and we asked him to give us a property and a couple of weeks after we began to pray in that direction, we were approached about this property. And um, the Lord led us to, uh, to look further into this. And as we did, we found out that the, the people who owned this property were considering just giving it to us. And so um, eventually we said, okay, this is it. This is what the Lord is doing. It wasn't ready. It needed to be remodeled, but it was a property and God was giving it to us. And, and so we, we said, yes, we'll do it. But we had a short amount of time before we had to be out of Mater Christi. And the Lord brought all the pieces together, bought us extra time, allowed us to find a contractor who could come in here and remodel the space, get it ready. I mean, he, did, he worked everything out and we were able to get into this building and on this property, which includes the barn house here and the white duplex out there, um, within just a matter of months. And the very thing that we prayed for, he, he answered. I mean, I mean the, they, just, they just gave us the keys to this place. And when we moved here onto this property, that was the end of 2018, we said, you know, this can't become a bunker. This has to be a launching pad. If we're going to get a property, it's got to be for the sake of reaching more places. It's not so we can hole up, you know, and hold on until Jesus comes back. It's going to have to be a, a launch pad. And so we said, well, if we're going to be here, it's going to be so that we can plant other churches. And since that time, the Lord has allowed us to send out 
uh, three church planters from this place. And one to Central Asia, one to uh, Montpelier, one to St. Albans, Vermont. And, and, and in the time that, that we've existed as a church, so many people have said yes to following Jesus. And 56 people have been baptized. And so many others have been discipled. And, 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 and God has used us to be not, not only a church planting launch pad, but so many believers have come here and they've been they've been they've come to this place they've been hurting or or what whatever different situations and God has has healed them up built them up strengthened them given them fresh vision and then sent them out to other places in the world and and it wasn't our doing i just have to be really really clear i share all that not to stroke our ego or to pat ourselves on the back, but because that's our testimony. This is what God has done. And we, it has not been perfect, and we've made all kinds of mistakes, and he has worked in spite of us. But that's our testimony. That's what he's doing. That's what he's done. And he isn't finished. He isn't finished. And, you know, I was thinking about it, what if it had all just been for one soul? Would it have been worth it? And the answer is absolutely yes. We're, I mean, you cannot put a value on an eternal soul, on a human being that will live forever. Either forever, eventually they will, they will pay for their sins in hell, or eventually they will go into the very presence of God and worship Him. For all eternity. That's the reality of every single soul. And if it had only been for one soul, it would have been worth it. But God has allowed us to play a part in so many lives. And, and here's the thing that's been striking me, that's been gripping me, is that he's nowhere near finished. There are so many more souls that need to be touched, that need to be ministered to, people who need to hear the gospel and come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Churches, I believe, that still have yet to be planted that he wants to plant through this church. Missionaries that still need to be sent out to unreached people groups that have not been sent. There's so much more, I believe, that he plans to do through us. And so the question that I have been asking myself and that I want to help hopefully answer this morning is, what do we do? Like, not just we as in like the leadership, but what do we, everyone here, every single person sitting in a chair, what do you do? What do I do? What do we do in order to allow the Lord to continue to move through us, and in order to see him do far more than what we've seen him do thus far, what do we do? I think the answer is simple, actually. I think in, in one way it's very simple. And, and I think the answer is we have to keep our eyes on Jesus and his mission. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus and his mission. Jesus 
gave very clear marching orders to his disciples before he ascended back into heaven. After he was raised from the dead, he gave really clear marching orders that, that his disciples were to go and make more disciples. They were to go and make disciples of all nations, that they were to baptize them, that they were to teach them everything that he had taught them. And that's still our mission. The way that we talk about that here at New King is that we say we exist to help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus. That's just our language that we, that we put to the Great Commission. If you ever forget why New King exists or, or what this is all for, this is it. We exist to help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus. We want people who don't yet know him to know him. We want them to find Jesus. We want them to to come into a saving relationship with Jesus. And then, how many of you know when we come into a relationship with Jesus, we're not not done. It's not done, right? There's a long process of of sanctification, of growth, right, that, that still needs to happen. And so we want to help people with that. We want to help people follow Jesus more more closely. Become more like him. That's our mission. We exist for this. We exist for this. Not not so that we can just come here and, you know, partake in a thing. Consume spiritual goods and services. Attend an event. That's not what we are here for. If you've come here for that, I'm glad that you're here. I mean it. And I hope that your, your reason for being here will change. I hope that if you're here to uh, consume you know, a sermon, sing some songs, get a little bit excited and leave for your week, and that's it, I hope that, that your reason for being here will go deeper than that that you'll catch what it is that Jesus is doing and that you'll lock arms with us and you'll say, I'm in this with you. Let's do this. Let's help people find and follow Jesus. Um, I recently went to and got an eye exam. I found out that I don't see as well as I once saw. And so I'm, I'm wearing contacts today. I can actually see people's faces in the back row. This is great. Um, I got some cool glasses. Some of you have seen and laughed at me about those, but I've got some glasses. I've got some contacts. And, and after wearing them for a couple of weeks, um, I, there was a day that I didn't wear contacts. I forgot my glasses. I left, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't see. How, how, did, I, how did I go through life like this? Everything is so blurry and, and Nathan Singh saw me, he said, you're squinting constantly. And I, I was just going like this all the time. Just I wanted to see clearly, and I couldn't. I, I think that um, here at New King, we have four values, as you heard. We're going to be talking about two of them today. I think our values are like glasses. I think that the way that values work, if they work well, is, is that they, make, they bring everything into focus. The things that are important suddenly come into focus. You have clarity. You can see. Specifically, you can see the mission, the direction that you're supposed to be going. And so these values are very important. Could, could, we, 
Could we be a church without these values? Absolutely sure. But everything would be a little fuzzy. We would probably say yes to doing some things we shouldn't say yes to, right? We'd probably end up going in a lot of different directions, and, and we'd, there, the Lord could still use us and accomplish some good things. And, but, but values are so, so helpful. As, as I've been revisiting our, our values and asking the question, is this still, Lord, these are the values that we've had for some time now? Are these still the values you want us to have? Are, do, are these sufficient for us? If we really adopt these values, will we be the kind of people that can help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus? Will, will we stay on track doing this if we, if we really embrace these values? And I think the answer is yes. I've been reconvinced of that. And so today we're looking at the first two, the, uh, two of these values. We're, we're going to be looking at Jesus and depth. And, and it's really important that you come back next week because this is only half the picture. Today, we're really going to be looking at um, kind of our personal relationship with Jesus. And, and if you stop here and you don't come back next week as we talk about hospitality and multiplication, which really gets into intentionally leveraging our lives for the sake of the kingdom, then you're going to miss half of the story. You're going to be imbalanced. And it's so it's very important. I don't know what you have planned next week, but cancel it. <laughs> if, if you're, if you're going to get sick next week, don't. Just don't get sick. <laughs> and if you know somebody who couldn't make it today, share the message with them today, from, from today, so that they, that they don't miss this first part, because you've got to have this first part before you get to the second. It's, both of these go together. It's so important that you hear both. So our values bring things into focus because it's really easy to get distracted, to get sidetracked. I love the book of Nehemiah. Now, the book of Nehemiah is a story about a guy who God gives him a really clear calling to go and help to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. The Israelites have been in exile. The, the city of Jerusalem is in ruins. And the first thing that needs to happen to rebuild a city is you've got to have a wall. And God calls this man to go and do it. And Nehemiah goes, and there's so many incredible lessons in the book of Nehemiah. One of the things that happens is you see the way the enemy tries to frustrate the work. And one of the ways that he tries to frustrate the work is just by distracting Nehemiah. He's like, hey, come have a meeting with us. There are we're important people. It's really important that you meet with us. We've got important things to tell you. So come have this important meeting with us. And in Nehemiah 6.3, here's what he says to him. He says, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? I believe this little mini-series is... is a way of us saying this. It's a way of us saying, God has called us to a great work and we cannot come down. We cannot get sidetracked from this. We cannot, we cannot lose focus on what he's called us to do. So here are our four values in case you're new here. And even if you're not new, our four values are Jesus. I think we have the slide for that. Yep. Jesus, hospitality, depth, and multiplication. 
That's the order that we typically say them. Um, but well, like I said, today we're covering Jesus in depth, and I'll hopefully make it clear why. We're, we're going to see that really this idea of uh, when we say Jesus, what we mean is friendship with him, intimacy with him, closeness with him. And when you begin to grow in that friendship with him, you naturally, you should naturally dig into his word where he's revealed himself to us. And so these two go together really well. All right, so having said all of that introduction, will you stand with me for the reading of God's word? This comes from Luke chapter 10. In verse 38 uh, through 42, it's on the screen. You can follow along. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you can have a seat. This is the story that we go back to When we talk about this value of friendship with Jesus, we can learn a lot from this story. First of all, let's consider Martha. Um, Martha does several things right. She welcomes Jesus into her home. Check. That's good, right? She doesn't just say, Jesus, find another place to go with your disciples. I'm not not going to host you. She welcomes them in. Shows hospitality to Jesus and 12 other guys, at least. I mean, think about that. When was the last time you had 13 people over spur of the moment and you weren't prepared for it? That, it's a tall order, and she says yes to it. So she she's does a great thing there. And, and she loves to show hospitality, and, and she's serving. Also a good thing, right? Not a bad thing to serve. And yet in this story, she's an example for, for us of what not to do. Here, here's the thing that we see with Martha. She's going hard for Christ. Hands to the plow, eyes forward. She is serving with all of her might, sweat on her brow, right? She's got stuff in the oven, the microwave, and on the stovetop. Pots and pans are clanging. She's trying to find enough food to pull together for 13 people. And she's excited probably a little bit because, I mean, Jesus is in her house, right? And at the end of the day, she got it wrong. She missed the most important thing at the end of the day. She missed the one thing necessary, which is friendship with Jesus. And that is a tragedy. 
And here's the thing that we learn from this story, is that it is possible to go hard for Christ, hand to the plow, sweat on your brow, work harder than anybody else, serving people like crazy because, you, because I love Jesus and actually miss friendship with Jesus. Actually miss it. You, you can be in full-time ministry, right? You, you, can be, you can be a pastor of a church. You can be a missionary overseas, and you can totally miss friendship with Jesus because you're so focused on working hard for Him. And that's why this is our first value. So, so what was it about Mary? What, like what, how did she do that? How did she, how did she become the example here? Here's, here's what we see with Mary. Um. Her sister's over in the kitchen, running around. Again, she, she, I'm, I'm sure you could hear the commotion, right, as, as Martha's working hard. How is it that Mary, sitting there, didn't hear the pots and pans clanging and the cabinet doors getting shut a little too hard and, wake, and, and, and like suddenly wake up to the reality, oh, my sister's in there. How did she miss all of that? It's like she's oblivious to it. How did that happen? And I can only give one answer. She was captivated by Jesus. She was enthralled. She was sitting there at Jesus' feet, focused, heart burning inside her chest like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, enjoying Jesus. I mean, just sitting there, enjoy, I mean, just having a wonderful time as she sat there and, and hung on every word that came from his mouth, getting to know her new friend more intimately, all the while her sister is distracted, doing things for Jesus, but distracted, anxious, worried, hardworking mess. So, so here's the question for each one of us. Which one better describes your relationship with Jesus today, this week? As, is your relationship with Jesus more like Mary? You're, you're captivated? You're enthralled? Your heart burns in your chest when you read His Word, when you, when you talk to Him, when you are close with Him? You enjoy him, you enjoy his presence, you want to get to know him better. Is that, is that the way that your relationship looks right now? Or is it more like anxious, distracted, serving him, but you forgot about that whole friendship thing? This is, this is so easy to slip into. This is not to shame anybody. I have been right there. Martha, I am Martha all the time. I'm un, I, sadly, this is true, I am Martha probably more often than I'm Mary. And the Lord's been just opening my eyes to it, little by little, for about the last month, showing me that I am often anxious, worried about many things, and neglecting the one thing necessary. 
in the meantime, I still have my, my time in the Word. You know, I still, I still open the Bible every morning and read it and pray and I go through those motions. But, you know, I, I've been struck by Jesus' rebuke of the Pharisees in John 5, 39-40, where He says, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And here's what we learn from that. There is a way that we can approach the Word of God even every single day, that we can study the Word of God, that we can learn it you know, intellectually backwards and forwards and still come short of relationship with Jesus. We know that. All we have to do is look at all... There are so many um, people, professors teaching religion in, in universities that know the Bible backwards and forwards. All we have to do is look at them and, and recognize, well, then they don't know Jesus. They know His work. Same with the Pharisees. Knew the Bible, had it memorized, didn't know Jesus. We can come to His Word and miss Him. Stop short of coming to the person that it's actually all about, right? So there's a posture. There, there's a motivation that's got to be checked. This is the key that I've been learning. It's like, as I come to the Word, i got to check my motivation. What am I coming here for? What am I opening this for? Why am I setting this time aside? Is it because I know I'll have a better day if I go through this? Is it because I, I, I want to find something to kind of apply to my life because there's wisdom to be found in, in here. A, a, an unbeliever can do that. Or, at the end of my time in the Word, do I want to know that I met with my friend, Jesus? And I want to, and I, I want to feel that we've spent time together and the relationship is better because of it. Which one? That's what this value is about. Jesus, friendship with Jesus, that's what this is about. It's about prioritizing Him in, in our lives. What if you really adopt this value? What if you embrace it? Um, then it will change the way that you think about everything. This is the way that what this does, if you really embrace this, is that you, not just your quiet time, I use that as an example, but everything in your life becomes a means to the end of knowing Jesus better. That's how Paul operated. Paul says, I count everything as lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You know, this is what drove Paul to plant churches, to go to places where he knew he was going to get beat or arrested or stoned or shipwrecked. What kept him going was he said, at the end of the day, it's worth it because I gain Christ. I get to know him more in all of those things. What if you went to work every day and you said, my job today or my day today or the things on my to-do list today could actually serve to bring me into a deeper friendship with Jesus. Now, all of a sudden, whatever happens at work, even if it's a bad day, and especially if it's a bad day, it has meaning, purpose, because you say, how are you drawing me in through this, Jesus? What are you trying to teach me about yourself? 
and you, and you suddenly begin to see that he's with you everywhere and in everything that you do. And he is, he is constantly, his heart is constantly trying to pull you in to a greater friendship with him. This doesn't lead to self-obsession and, and forgetting everyone around you. It actually leads to just the opposite. When you begin to live this way, you will actually bear more fruit. You will actually have a greater impact on everyone around you. In John 15, where Jesus says, or he's talking to his disciples about bearing much fruit, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then, and then he goes on and says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The way to bear fruit is to abide in him. And abiding in him is doing everything with him. Staying close to him. In intimate friendship with him. So that's our first value. I could go on and on and on and on about that, but I want to get to the next value. I want to talk, talk about depth. Um, it is so easy, th- this value of depth, it's about digging into the Word of God, studying the Word of God, taking it seriously, wanting to know more, wanting to, to learn good doctrine, sound doctrine, diving in. And it's so easy to you know, say friendship with Jesus is all I need and it's just me and Jesus and we just, we chat every day and, and to say, I, I don't need to do all that heady stuff, right? And, and there are churches that I think can err on this. They become very emotionally driven and they, they lose sight of the importance of digging deep into God's word. Here's why this is so important. Not because this is something other than that, heart burning inside your chest, friendship with Jesus hanging on his every word, but because this is how that friendship goes deeper, right? This is how it goes deeper. It is possible to become a Christian but never grow up into a mature believer. It's possible to do that. In fact, it happens all too frequently. And I think the reason is a lack of depth in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 2, Paul writing to the church in Corinth there says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. He's talking to Christians here, okay? He says, as infants in Christ. They're in Christ, but they're babies. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Even now, you're not yet ready. Paul's saying, there's other stuff I would love to teach you, but you're not able to hear it yet because of where you are in your maturity. You're still drinking milk. You're still baby Christians. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, Hebrews 5, 12 through 13. He says, by for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracle of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled 
in the word of righteousness since he is a child. He's saying, you're unskilled. You haven't, you haven't done any work to hone the skill of handling the word of righteousness, handling the word of God. And, so, and because of that, I'm having to go back and reteach you the basics again. Right? So we see that it's possible to remain a child if we don't go deep. Jesus expressed the same frustration as Paul and the writer of Hebrews when he said this in John 16, 12. Look at this. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Here's what we see from these three passages. There are things that Jesus would say to you and wants to say to us that we are not ready to hear, and so he holds back. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I'm like, oh, no, Lord, not me. I want to be ready to hear everything you've got for me. I want to be ready for whatever you've got to say to me. So, if we want to be, if we want to grow our friendship with Jesus, we need to be able to hear everything he's going to say to us that he wants to say to us, right? That we need to be able to bear it. We need, we need to be able to understand it, comprehend it. We need to be able, we need to be prepared to hear it. And so we need to keep digging into the word of God with right motives, right? Like I said, there's a way to go at this that's all wrong. But that doesn't mean you don't do it. <laughs> That's not the answer. That's not the solution. You go to the Word and dig with right motives, and you go to it and say, no, no, I want to know you more, Jesus. I want our friendship to go deeper. I want to hear everything you have to say to me, so I'm going to dig. That's why. And you, you, you might say, but is this really necessary? I mean... I don't really have a lot of time. Is this, I mean, you're asking me to do something that I don't feel like I have time to do or I don't have, I'm not like a big studier. Is this really necessary? And I would say, yes, it is. Otherwise, you will remain a baby Christian. You will miss out on so much of the relationship. Here's what I would say. It is possible to go deeper without growing coming to the Word, studying it with the wrong motives. But it is not possible to grow without going deeper. You, you, you can't just leave the Bible on the nightstand until next Sunday and think that you and Jesus are going to keep growing in your relationship. Here, here's what Jesus said when He prays for His disciples to grow in, in in their maturity, here's what he prays to the Father. He says in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This is where sanctification comes from, is from his word, from knowing the truth, knowing his word. So the word of God sanctifies us as our minds are renewed in the truth. Um, and so depth is necessary for growth into maturity. But I want to I just for a second explain how do we protect ourselves from going deeper but without growing in the relationship? Other than checking in our motives, that's the first thing. What's my motive when I come to the Word as I dig? What's my motive? Why do I want it? Do I want it for Jesus? And then here's the other thing. Um, 
we need to make sure we are putting into practice what we're learning. Because James 1, 21 through 22 says this, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So receive it with meekness, have the right posture, have the right mentality as you dig in, receive it humbly, but, but also make sure you're doing it. You know, when you, when you get up from your time in the Word, when you, when you leave church on Sunday, make sure you go and you do something about what the Lord is saying to you. Be a doer of the Word. Otherwise, what happens? We deceive ourselves. We think we're more mature than we are. We think our maturity level is equal to our knowledge. But our maturity level is only equal to what we're putting into practice. Right? So we deceive ourselves when we, when we do that. So maturity requires not just that you study God's Word deeply, but that you come with the motive to know Jesus and then receive the Word humbly and then take pains to put what you receive into action. What he says, live it out. So I want to close by giving you two questions for you to take home, little checks, little, little questions for you to ask every day that will help you to, to live these things out. Number one, did I grow in my friendship with Jesus today? It's a simple question packed with power. Did I grow in my friendship with Jesus today? Number two, did I live what I'm learning today? Did I live what I'm learning Let's think a little bit more about that first question. Did I do what was needed to grow in my friendship with Jesus? Some, some deeper questions to, to heat probing. Did I spend quality time in His Word? This is a question I've been asking. Not just did I t- spend time, but did I spend quality time in His Word listening for His voice? Did I go to the Word in order to meet with my friend? As I've gone about my day, am I thinking about Jesus? Am I talking to Jesus? Is there a conversation, an ongoing conversation? Am I, am I meditating on His life and death and resurrection? Am I thinking about the gospel, what He did for me so that I could be in relationship? Or am I distracted and anxious about many things? Going about my day like Martha. Am I slowing down long enough to hear Him? That's a big one for me. Am I slowing down? Am I taking a Sabbath once a week? Do I ever pause long enough for for all the things spinning around in my head to kind of fall to the ground? Got to slow down so we can hear Him. Now let's think about the second question. Did I live what I'm learning? First of all, am I digging into the Word of God? If, if, If you're not in it at all, then then God, you can't get to know Him more. So, so get into the Word. Am I in the Word at all? Secondly, am I learning new things? These are some good probing questions. Am I learning new things? Can I point to something that God is teaching me right now? If not, why not? Do I hunger to know Him more? 
Do I long to become more like Him? Do other interests occupy my mind and my, my thinking, my time, more than Him and His kingdom? Am I feeding my soul with things that make me want more of the world or more of Christ? Now again, um, this is not meant to cause shame in any of us. It's just meant to spur us on, to remind us of what's of first importance. Knowing Jesus, friendship with Him. We've got to get these things right before we can go on to our, our other values next week. If, if we get this right, it will bear fruit in our lives. Interestingly, there's another story, big story, involving Mary and Martha. Mary, she takes this expensive um, ointment and she anoints Christ's feet before he's crucified with that ointment. It, it was an act of worship, of love. And Jesus said, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, this will be told as well. Now, did that bear fruit? Has that borne fruit over the, the years? You bet. You bet. So we see that this time sitting at his feet, it, it, it's not for nothing as far as the kingdom goes. It will, it will result in great fruit. And before I close, I just want to say, if you are here today and, and you're not yet in a friendship with Jesus, you would say, when you talk about friendship with Jesus, that's like foreign language to me. Maybe like me, you grew up in church and you prayed a prayer or went through confirmation or something that made you think, okay, now I'm good, I've, I'm, I'm a Christian now. But you didn't ever really have a relationship. You've never really had a relationship. It took me 14 years of calling myself a Christian because I'd prayed a prayer, walked an aisle, got baptized, to realize I don't actually know Jesus. It took me 14 years to figure that out. And maybe that's you. Maybe you, you thought you were a Christian, you've called yourself a Christian, but all this talk about a relationship, all this talk about a friendship, about knowing Jesus, it's like, how in the world? And that may very well be because you don't really know him yet. You haven't truly become a Christian yet. You've gone through some kind of emotions, but it wasn't a saving work by the Holy Spirit, a miracle in your heart. And so I just want to invite you to believe in him today. I want, I want to invite you to, for the first time, really lay down your sins. This is the simple response that the Bible gives us to Jesus. When we see that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life in our place, went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, that he died in our place because of our sins. And then he was raised from the dead by the power of God. And that if we believe in him, then his death counts for our sins. When we look at, at, at him and we see that and we believe that, the response is really simple and it's always the same throughout the New Testament. We turn from our sins, doing life our way, and we put our trust in him. We believe. That's faith. That's what faith looks like. Faith says, I want to follow you. 
Clearly, you are Lord, and I want you to run my life. And I just am impressed this morning that there are some here, I I think multiple people here, that Jesus is calling you to a friendship today. he's, He's saying, come on, let's be done playing church. Let's be done doing this religious thing that you've been doing. Let's start a real relationship. Maybe that's you. And if it's you, I just want to tell you, he welcomes you with open arms. He welcomes all who come to him because you want him. That's the only requirement. Let's pray. Lord and friend, thank you that you can be both. Thank you that you can be king and a dear, dear friend. And Lord, I pray that no matter where we are today, that that friendship that you've made available, that you long for, you said in John 15, no longer do I call you servants, but friends. I just pray that that friendship that you long for would grow deeper in every person, that you would begin a work right now. Holy Spirit, come, move, stir, till up hard ground, awaken sleepy hearts, Call to dead hearts like you called to Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Call to dead hearts right now and awaken them. Lord, I pray that people would walk out of the grave right now spiritually. I pray that others would awaken from their stupor, from their slumber, awaken to what's really available, and that they would press into greater friendship with the Lord of glory, the King of the universe, the one that we were made for, that our hearts have longed for all along and we didn't know it. God, take us deeper. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.